Welcome to the She's Illuminated podcast with me, Ellie Loves. I'm a breathwork healer and advocate for women, not just finding their voice, but using it. Through the breath, I help people get unstuck and get energized to heal the most important relationship you have with yourself. Sometimes all it takes is a conversation or an idea to light the touch paper and begin the process. This podcast is an invitation to get curious, inspired, and become the most authentic, fearless, expressed version of you. So come on, let's get illuminated. So welcome to this week's episode where I'm talking to Lily Petit, an inspiring intuitive home organizer and breathwork healer based in LA. Lily and I met a couple of years ago online and I loved watching her epic home organizing for clients and her beautiful aesthetic. But more than that, I really loved how she worked with her clients to understand and heal more than just their spaces. Lily matches expert organization with intuitive energetic cleansing to evaluate, coordinate and completely rejuvenate a home. Trained in a series of respected and time-honoured traditions, she works one-to-one with her clients to identify and uncover emotional attachments to their possessions and takes them on a gentle path towards releasing and removing them from the home, leaving spaces clean and clients feeling relaxed, energised and inspired to begin a new, lighter way of living. We share our love of organising and talk about how this was a valuable coping mechanism growing up. We talk all things energy, the connection between making space in your home and the process of healing yourself. And if you'd like to tackle your home or spaces and are not local to her, check out her amazing online course, Sacred Space. It's held over eight weeks and you'll get to get to the root of your clutter and where it all began so that when things feel unmanageable, you'll know how to reset. You'll also learn expert tricks of the trade on how to organise your things, plus the tools to keep yourself accountable, emotionally stable and grounded in the process. You can find her at clutterhealing.com and on Instagram as clutterhealing. Enjoy. So welcome, Lily. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I love how you blend healing and home organizing so effortlessly. Can you share with me how you got into it and what it means to you? I mean, basically, from the time I was about seven is my first memory of seeking out a junk drawer in uh, my mom's friend's house. And I started taking everything out of the drawer and putting like with like and throwing away pieces of garbage and just had this profound sense of satisfaction from putting things back in order, like creating order and calm out of, you know, chaos. And this is a massive explosion that just made no sense. Everything was mixed up in this particular drawer. But I also grew up with an alcoholic father. So that unpredictable energy of never knowing what my father's attitude and mood was going to be like when he came home at the end of the day also pushed me into a coping mechanism of organizing. So if I knew that all of my clothes were organized perfectly or my stuffed animals were lined up on my bed a certain way like that gave me a certain sense of safety and security within my own unpredictable home environment so I think that that just became my coping strategy from a very very young age and it made me feel like I was in control of something that I had no control over as a as a child so I 
over the course of many, many years had been organizing for myself and friends all the time. And then I moved, I moved to Los Angeles. I moved around a bunch of times, even in college, I moved a ton, just different apartments, sorority house, apartment here, house there, whatever. And so I kind of became an expert of how quickly can I pack all these things in a really smart way, then unpack them all and set everything up in a new place and have it feel really good. And like, it really is my home, even if it was a rental. Uh, So I got really good at that over, you know, the course of 20 years. And then I became a wardrobe stylist when I moved to Los Angeles. And that world definitely requires a lot, a lot of organizing because there are huge amounts of clothing that are coming from all different, you know, sources. And so keeping everything organized, keeping everything in its place, but then also every time we were on a different set, whether it was a motorhome or a huge soundstage, I was always the one who fell into very naturally setting up the schedule for the seamstresses to make sure that all the clothes were in order for the day, the shooting schedule or making almost like little mini retail stores within wardrobe racks and pop-up tables. And <laughs> we, oh, I, I, me. Oh, the joy. <laughs> and everything was always very organized. And that's why a, so many stylists love working with me as their assistant or having me on set as the lead because I understood how important, you know, the creative side was always there and that was great and fun to put together outfits, but I definitely always fell more into the excitement of returning everything and getting everything back to its proper place. And if somebody needed that black shirt out of a sea of 50 of them, I knew exactly where it was. And I was even like that in my corporate life. If somebody couldn't find a file for this and everything was always perfectly organized in my paper files and digital files. So it just is a natural gift that I possess. And then I stumbled into a 12-step program based on eating disorder stuff that I had carried with me for a really, really long time. My dad had a very dramatic, long drawn out, you know, battle with cancer that was almost 10 years. And so I used a different coping strategy to get through that time, which, you know, was very much about food and body. And I found myself in a 12-step program, which then led me to understanding the power and the value of meditation and having a consistent meditation practice, which then led me into finding David Elliott and finding the power of breath work, which then led me to, oh, this thing that we're doing with our breath and our body is so connected to what I'm doing in people's houses and removing the physical clutter but also understanding that spiritual housekeeping aspect inside of our bodies and our body as a home. So these things are so connected, like whatever we're holding on to emotionally, internally, that's cluttering us up until we really deal with that and get that out of the way. You may or may not have the space to organize your house. Like, let's be honest. If you feel like crap emotionally, physically, mentally, taking on a home organizing project is probably going to feel really overwhelming. And I tell people that all the time. However, organizing (laughs) something in your house can also give you energy and make you feel really good. And it is a pathway to healing. I believe, I believe clearing out our houses, making space, moving energy, whether it's in our here in our physical body, or if it's in our physical home, it is a pathway to healing. So that's the the shortest (laughs) synopsis I can give you of how I got here (laughs) I love that that's that sounds so resonant when you talk about when you were a kid I mean I used to go to my um, parents house 
when I when I lived at home when I was young, probably around nine, I used to create spaces in my room. I would turn my bed around, put it in the center of the room, put it. My mum would be like that. How can you? It's like I was just experimenting with changing the way I felt by changing my environment. And I grew up in quite a strict household, so there wasn't maybe um, as much space for self-expression as I would have liked. And I felt like being able to do that was a really it was a way to express myself. And I loved yes. creating these little patterns in things, seeing the patterns in things. And when you talked about that, it's really resonant. In those that sea of shirts, you saw a pattern in what everybody else saw as black, you saw a pattern in those shirts. So you knew exactly mm-hmm. where to go. And I think that being able to see patterns in things is something that you can see in so many aspects of life, but it's a gift. Not everybody sees that. Lots of other people just see it as like white noise. I remember a friend of mine who who was very good with finances and I said, God, you just end up, you, the way you describe finances to me, it's like they're all in little white boxes. She said, well, the money came in for that. So I'm going to pay that. And I put a bit aside for this so I can afford to buy that beautiful and dining room table. And I was like, you make it all seem so clean and clear, all of that. Yes. Why can't I do that with finances? But I guess we don't have the gift for all of it. <laughs> um, yeah. I always say that people, we are put on this planet for, you know, a reason. And that's really to help each other. Like we're not all meant to have the same gifts, talents, and abilities, because if we did, that would kind of make life boring and we wouldn't have any reason to connect with one another. So the fact that I'm really good at feeling and seeing possibility and feeling what a client is feeling or recognizing the patterns, recognizing like, oh, there's so much vertical space in here, but someone else can't see that. Like, that's never going to fit in there. That's not going to work. And yeah. I'm like, it absolutely is going to work. <laughs> and interestingly, that kind of resistance to change, oh, it will never work. And then them seeing that I think is really beautiful because then you start to see that when they see that that thing that they never thought would fit their fit, they start to think, gosh, what else have I stopped myself from shifting or trying because I right. thought it wouldn't fit. Yeah, you're kind of empowering. It's quite exciting, isn't it? When you start to see that beautiful uh, acknowledgement from your client of, whoa, I did not know that I could do that. Or if God, if I can do this, I, what? how else can I apply this to my life? It's infinite. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I just got a text from a client who I've been working with for now about two years. And I don't know, she was responding to a quote that I had posted on Instagram. And she said, you've taught me so much more than I could have ever imagined about organizing. You've just taught me how to totally live, rearrange the way that I was living my life. Because she couldn't see past the boxes of Amazon purchases that needed to be returned like that was all she could see was just so much stuff and then once we started to parse it out yeah so much shame around that but also just I always say when someone allows me into their home it is the most intimate space that you could ever allow someone in and for me it is such an honor it is such a thing to be revered and respected and treated with the utmost sincerity and I mean I could go on and on for days about (laughs) ethics and how there are some organizers that are not treating the the home the way that I see it in terms of it being a sacred space but really when I use the hashtag it's all connected I am speaking to that it's like how we are treating ourselves how we are treating our homes like the level of respect that we give to respect and care and just like constant nurturing 
the mm. two are completely connected. And as much as I hated this phrase, when David Elliott, you know, said it to me the first time, it's like, how we do one thing is how we do any, everything. And I was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to resist that one. But when you think about it, if you're leaving something half done in one part of your life, you're probably leaving it half done somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so stepping outside of the cluttered closet and just really examining it and seeing it for what it is, it might be more connected as to an emotion that you're not wanting to examine. It's like that horrible relationship that you still haven't maybe gotten over. There's still grief pent up inside of your lungs that you haven't processed yet. And maybe you're holding on to some clothes from that period of your life because you're not really ready to let it go. Yeah. Um, and it's always, it always comes back to that. I find like if we're holding on, there's this sense of I'm not ready to let go of the past, but I always encourage my clients to really set up their homes and their lives for the life that they're striving to create or achieve the, the life that you see yourself a year from now, instead of holding on to parts of the past that are just are no longer serving you. Mm. It makes me think of a lovely client that I worked with who worked in television in, I think the nineties, and so she had this whole wardrobe of clothes that she wore when she was on TV. And in her mind, she was kind of giving herself a hard time thinking, I've gained weight since that point. Will I ever, at some point, I'll go back to it. But as we pulled all the things out and we put them all on a rail and she started looking at them, she was just like, God, I, I, even if I was back to that size again, I don't think I'd, buy, I'd want to wear that. So suddenly we'd gotten rid of so many outfits that she felt really good about letting go of. And then, then what we did is we sort of put away some of the things that she really had great memories of, but pretty much got rid of the, the, the rest of them. And you think about how many things you have in your wardrobe. The wardrobe is a really good example, isn't it? Of how many things you have in the wardrobe that hold so much memory. The thing that you bought, that was a fortune that you've probably still got the tags on that you feel like shit about having spent that much money because you never wore it. You keep mm. it there like this ghost, this guilty ghost. <laughs> and look in the wardrobe. Mm. Thinking, the truth is, is that half of the stuff is not on my team. I'm literally being beaten by a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then how much energy unconsciously are you putting toward that thing that you're now feeling completely guilty about? I spent all this money on this thing and I'm not wearing it, but I can't get rid of it because I spent so much money on it. And then it's just this like a mental gymnastics that you're putting yourself through. Oh, yes. That is a huge waste of energetic output. Like you're literally leaking energy. And I, this is, this is why it's so important. I find with people when I start working with them is like, tell me how you want your house to feel. Because I don't really care about so much how it looks initially. It's, it's like, what is the feeling that you want it to feel like? Do you want it to feel expansive and creative and energetically clean and fun? And you just want to have space to take a deep breath? Great. Does that outfit that you're holding on to that's 10 years old that you would <laughs> never buy today if you walked into a store, is it giving you that feeling? Because I want you to keep coming back to that feeling that you desire and tell me if these things embody that. And I just keep going back to that. Remember, to, remember the feeling. Is it giving you the feeling? <laughs> but it also makes you think about so many clothes and things that people buy because they're kind of good enough. And I know that I've been guilty about that, buying something that's good enough. So it's the same color as the thing that I bought that I loved. It's ne it wasn't quite as exciting as the original one, but I bought it because it's the same cut, same shape. And it's mm -hmm. good enough. And the truth is, 
is that no one really wants to be dressing in stuff that's good enough. They want to be, yeah. So yeah, why are we settling? Like, why are you settling for good enough when, you know, you'd rather just have the good, the real thing or the the better thing and just have that one really nice thing. I mean, that's- Let it go when it's done. And that's a huge part of the fast fashion industry, right? It's like, they've created this whole concept that we have to have everything new and everything in multiples and everything. But really, if you go back to the way that Europeans have been shopping forever, where couture and all of the really one-of-a-kind beautiful things come from that are then knocked off, you would buy one really amazing high-end expensive wool coat and you would have it for several years or you would buy the one cashmere sweater every season and you you would have the really nice um, investment piece and it would last because you've paid for something that's made to last but I think where we've really gotten off track is that we think we need to have something every single week or every single day to like keep up with the Joneses or to satisfy that unmet emotional need inside of us that isn't getting fulfilled with things like a hug from your partner or a really great yoga class or a breathwork session. (laughs) And we're using these physical objects to give us that same emotional fulfillment, which is where I think we've all gotten a little off track. Oh, you described that so beautifully. It's so true. And no amount of things or stuff are going to replace those needs. But I think that shopping and consumerism has really given us this really hollow outlet to try and create a lot of those things. I remember doing some organizing for my sister when she she came out of her marriage and she moved house and we were going through her wardrobe and it was like a gift to her really just to go and spend time with her and mm-hmm. help organize her wardrobe. And she had something like 17 jumpers of the same style that she used to buy from the same store from the in the sale. So she'd be thinking, oh, I'm gonna get the jump on these whatever it is items. She used right. to spend a fortune on them. And then when we looked at them, she was just like, oh my God, I've got 17 of the same jump. What was mm-hmm. I thinking? Why have I yeah. never put them all together and seen them? Now I now mm-hmm. they're all in one place. It was like, oh I don't even yeah. really like that style. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting seeing the patterns, isn't it? I guess when you come in as a, a as an as a consultant from outside, you see those patterns and you're able to share that with your client. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the tote bag that everybody thinks they need at the grocery store. It's the water (laughs) bottle that you get for free that you think you have to save because it was for free. I talk about clients all the time, just because it's free doesn't mean it's for me. Like not everything (laughs) that's given to you, you have to keep, right? I mean, not everything that a family member gives you, you have to love. I mean, I have was given many things in the beginning of my relationship with my fiance by my mother-in-law who loves a funny gag gift. And they go right into the gifts to give to other people or into the donation bin. Like, it's just, it's not a part of my, it's not something that I want to bring into my everyday, you know, life. And I think that's, it's important point to bring up here is like having that conscious consumerism mindset. So everything that you are purchasing carries a certain amount of energetic weight. So I, I really think about, do I want something that's, new that's coming from Amazon, that's being shipped from China, that's creating more pollution on mama earth. That's going to come in a cardboard box with tape, with bubble, with that. And I, I, I do ask myself those questions before I make a purchase. Like I would rather have something that's made by 
someone that I'm connected to in some sort of way. I recently started buying coffee from my friend Jack, who has silverback coffee. It comes from Rwanda. It supports this group of women who are picking the beans. And so his company supports this Rwandan co-op of women picking the beans. And every morning I drink my coffee and I'm like, I'm supporting this thing that is so cool that someone that I actually know is doing to make a difference in the world. And I want more of that in my life. I want more of the like, all the furniture in our house is old. We live in a mid-century. And so almost every single piece of furniture I can safely say is vintage. And I love the the hand, the, the handmade feeling and just like everything is made with such a different level of care and concern. And not that you can't get that today, but I enjoy having things in my home that are collected and curated. And it's not just like out of the West Elm magazine, because I don't necessarily want that. I want things that are very special and have a story behind them. I think it's really fun to have things that are like, I just got a plant from a client of mine who moved to Australia. So she couldn't take any of her plants with her. So I have this beautiful plant next to my bed now. And I have this really cool story about something that someone might think is not a big deal, but I I really do think about the energy behind like the hands that have touched this, the way that it was made and how that affects my space. I love that you say that because I think that you just touched on, but being given knickknacks from your (laughs) mother-in-law. And and I have friends of mine that used to say to me, I lit, I mean, I've got to be careful how I say this. (laughs) Just thinking she might listen to this. But if it wasn't, if it was something that I didn't think I was going to use or that I was going to, um, that the boys wouldn't use, I would re-gift it. And mm-hmm. I think that there's there's also a real boundary around that too, isn't there? It's saying, I love our space. I love, don't worry, <laughs> the little girl in the background. Sorry. <laughs> Your life. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's a real boundary around that saying, I love the energy behind it. And I'm so grateful. And I feel that. And I don't need to necessarily keep it in a drawer or collecting dust right. or whatever. I'm going to re-gift it so that somebody else can give it to somebody else. Exactly. And, and I think was- it was Marie Kondo that said, it's the, it's the energy in the giving of the gift, like being able to receive, receive with your whole heart and being so receptive to the energy that the gift giver is giving to you. It's like, they thought of me, they considered me, they want to give to me. Like that is, that's the whole point of the gift giving. It's not about the thing. It's just like when I'm in someone's house, it's like, it's not really how it looks. It's about the feeling. It's the feeling of the gift receiving and allowing yourself to really receive that you, that feeling of being thought about that you were considered, you were like, you were thought about in this person mind. Yeah. It's not about the crazy toucan character because it doesn't have anything to do with that. (laughs) That went right out. It's about like, she saw this thing and thought it would be useful and funny to me and it would give me a laugh when I opened my drawer in my kitchen. And that's what I find so beautiful is like, I can focus on that and not the actual item and then give it to someone else that might appreciate that more than I would. <laughs> Your mother is not going to listen to this. So I've got to be a lot more careful than you. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Oh. So when you typically go into somebody's house, where do you start? It really is with the intention setting. I need to know (laughs) 
what is the, what is the intention behind the project? Like, why are you doing this project at this time? How do you need the space to function? Because right now in COVID pandemic times, our houses are on overdrive. They're the school, the gym, the meditation center, the workplace, that it's everything happening in your house. So what is our, what is our main goal in terms of whether it's one space, whether it's the whole home, how do you want it to feel? How do you want it to function? Like there's a conversation around that before anything happens physically. But then my process is probably very similar to other organizers. And I do intuitively have used a lot of the Marie Kondo method even before she was a major star it's like we've got to see all the sweaters together see all your shoes together I need to know what's in your coat closet and what's in your regular closet and let's pull it all together let's examine it let's look at it piece by piece maybe you need to try some things on if it's closed maybe you do need to hold it to your heart maybe you just need to stand in front of it with your arms wide open I don't know there's different gestures and questions and things that I'll have people do if they're not clear mm-hmm. about their things. There's always like a, we'll come back to this later (laughs) pile because it might feel too overwhelming in the moment. You have to be conscious also of decision fatigue, because that's a very real thing. If you're like working with someone and asking them question after question, after question, after question, it's important. I think to take breaks, go take a walk around the block, go to the bathroom, go drink a glass of water and come back with like a fresh perspective. But starting is really about what is the intention? How do we want to feel? And then we do start going through piece by piece. I personally am moving more into the whole home organizing focus because I believe that the home should be treated just like a holistic doctor would treat a body. You can organize your pantry and have it look all lovely and wonderful, but a lot of times that's just slapping a bandaid on a bigger problem because I'm probably going to find stuff in your pantry that belongs in your garage or it belongs in your kid's room and not in that space. So it's great if that's all set up and working fine, but if you still are struggling with my garage is a mess and my this, I can't, there's no space for that. Like it just works better. I have found in doing this for almost 11 years to do the the entire home. And then everything has a space, everything has a home. And then you do a maintenance session every quarter, every six months, whatever, come in, reset systems, kids have grown up, get rid of clothes that don't fit, books or games that are no longer age appropriate, that sort of thing. You no longer use your bread maker that you've been holding onto for 10 years that you got for your wedding. I have a steep terrain that literally we've cleared out the kitchen because we had a kitchen just redecorated. And I was putting it to one side because I just thought, we, I think I've never used the big, beautiful white China soup tree. And my husband said, no, he's an only child. And uh, he's like, oh, no, I just, I want to keep it. I just feel like it's like we haven't used it in 20 odd years. But he won't <laughs> let it go. Well, you need to tell him to make some soup and use the soup tree then. Yeah. Use it or lose it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like perfume, perfume goes rancid or like wine goes rancid. Like just use it, enjoy your life. It's not there. Use your China, use your crystal, bust out your silver on a, you know, random Sunday morning. Why not? Yeah. It's, 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 it's there for use. You're right. I was going to say, we have a friend, we have friends who have, when we go to stay at their house, they have like a roasting tray that they get out of like a 1970s box with string around it. They take the roasting tray out, they use it, then they put it back in and then they tie the string back around them. I'm like, that has blown my mind. I just want to, I just want to fling that box in the bin. What is it around the old thing and the ritual around the string? It's like, it's a roasting tin. How, How do you have time for that? But it was really interesting how they were like, oh my God, Ellie, that's going to drive you nuts, isn't it? (laughs) Free the tin. (laughs) 
yeah. Well, it sounds like they have a whole ritual around it though. So that kind of yeah, makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that whole thing about, I don't know, packaging, keeping things in packages, keeping things for best. There's a yeah. big part of me that just, like you say, just wants to bust out and go, every day's the best day. Yes, but it's absolutely. So it's so indoctrinated, isn't it? It gets passed on by our parents, their parents who had less, who kept things for best. And sometimes those things can be really hard to shake. Yeah, I mean, we definitely, I mean, I definitely do things, I would say, based on the way my mother did them, of course. I mean, <laughs> we still, I, I think after having a child, I mean, now I have a, to- a toddler, so and just because I organize for people, the majority of my my work is organizing for other people. So over the years, I probably don't, I, I don't make my bed every day. No. I don't. That right. comes to a, a shock to a lot of people, especially other organizers who hear me say that. They're like, oh, what? That's like a five minute, you know, task that you can do. And it get, builds so much confidence. And it's like one thing that you've done for yourself during the day. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm good. Like, I don't need to make my bed day it's so much more fun to do it for other people I mean our house is definitely in order and everything has a place but you know I used to do things to the extent of like my mother has a very specific way to uh arrange the dishwasher right and so we got this new dishwasher it was very complicated and confusing even though it washes dishes amazingly I mean it's we're still trying to figure out like almost two years later like what is the most efficient way to load this damn thing because it's it's a melee it's beautiful it like it it washes so well but it's still it's not working out with our dishes and the way that we use them. So I just recently, because my fiance started doing it, putting all the spoons on one side and then all the forks on the other side. And then we put all the knives in the middle. And I'm like, that's kind of my only thing that I'm, I mean, I definitely am about the picking, like the picking up is very important for me. Like I like having everything away and put away, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm not so like, if you open my pantry right now, it's not, it's not perfect. It's a way and it has a place. But you but- meal plan. I watch your meal planning on Instagram and like there's a there's a twang in my book. It's like, oh my God, that is like total gold. <laughs> really beautiful, delicious things that you've picked up at the farmer's market and then you've made soups and then you've put the things, then you've stored the things for three days. I'm like, oh my goodness, that just is a whole other level. I've got, I'm in deep appreciation and awe. <laughs> But again, to, I mean, truthfully, that comes from the growing up as a child of an alcoholic parent. That is a total safety thing for me. I, having food prepared and having enough food is definitely a safety thing for me. It makes me feel safe. It makes me feel good. And cooking is also something that for me personally, it's very grounding. It's very meditative. I connect deeply to where food is from and growing our own food like that. That for me is something that is very, it's just, it fills my soul. It fills my soul. It's like a, it is an anchor for me. And for other people, it's like, they've got to have, I just did a house the other day. She literally had 20 bottles of, I think it was like fantastic cleaner or something. And for her, like having a ton of laundry soap and a ton of cleaning supplies, like makes her feel safe and makes her feel good. And for me, it's like, I've got to have enough granola or I'm going to lose it. (laughs) For me, it's the dishwasher fluid. Because when that thing, when that light comes on for the dishwasher Mm. fluid, like I'm not getting out in the evening to go and find it but I want to be able to do it that night so I like to have like two or three backed up yeah same for me with soap (laughs) yeah 
But what I think as well, I wonder when, when you create these beautiful spaces and when you see them on Instagram and Pinterest, you see those beautiful spaces. So you have those, I don't know, containers that are a certain size for a certain size snack for your child. Then I think mm -hmm. what happens if you end up buying a different brand and it doesn't fit in that container? When you micromanage and create spaces that work so well for the way that you're living right now, how do you evolve and move through that and still keep those things working? Yeah, so I'm not really of the mind to do that. Like I see, and a lot of times there's these huge pantries and they've got every kind of squeezy pouch thing in its own separate container and maybe it only fits like six or 10 of them. What and do you do with kid, them? Yeah. Yeah. It's like your child isn't going to have pouches for their whole lives. So what do you do with that? So I'm, I'm more of the mind of like a flexible situation in terms of like, okay, we have a couple baskets and you can have chips in it at one time. And then maybe as your kids get older, like maybe it's crackers or maybe it's this. And I really do my best to reduce the number of individual plastic containers because I do feel like that is another thing that is not supporting mama earth and her quick destruction. So I definitely go, I gravitate more toward natural baskets, wire containers and things that are not plastic, but I don't, I just, I don't think that it is sustainable. I look at organizers sometime and no offense if this is like really how people live, but there's like one container and it has two cans in it. And I'm like, who lives like that? It's yeah. great for the picture. It's beautiful. But do you really only have two cans of coconut milk and you're always going to put them in this one bamboo container that's like six by six? I just, to me, that's very unrealistic. And I use containment in a way that works with the space, not necessarily with the exact product because mm. your pantry style setup or your kitchen cabinetry is probably going to stay the same unless you're planning on remodeling. So I really work with the space and creating more space within a given cabinet closet what have you as opposed to like the exact products so let's say your kids are having granola bars now and then four months from now they don't like granola bars anymore and i've They're used this you know, divided bars. yeah i've used this like divided turntable thing well i'm hoping that that's flexible enough that they can then put protein that's bars true. or fruit leathers or something else in said situation but I really try to make it as realistic and flexible as possible because I I do agree like I don't I don't think it's sustainable to have two items in one plastic container and then everything is labeled snacks on like 50 containers and I'm like do we really need that like why do we need 50 containers that all say snacks so that's brought me back to working sort of on the holistic level. So when you're um, working with clients who maybe don't feel like they ever settled into the home or this was not their choice of property or they're currently living in a place that is temporary, but they want to feel at home. What things would you advise to help people really ground into the space and create or really kind of feel safe and connected and relaxed in their space? What's, what are some easy things that they can do to... to create that feeling? I think doing some really simple mantra work, it would be, is very helpful. Even if it's not your permanent home, just keep reminding your nervous system because that's really what it is, right? It's like your nervous system feels out of whack. Your nervous system doesn't feel calm and relaxed in your space because it might, it feels temporary or you're adjusting to a new place. So claiming something as your own, even if it's temporary, I think is really important. So saying things to yourself just to get your mind and your body kind of on the same 
plain because a lot of times that disconnect is where we find the discord and like the lack of harmony or resonance in a home so just saying to yourself like this is my home this is my home like even if this is temporary for now this is the space i'm calling my home i'm claiming this as my own this is a safe place for me to be in this moment like whatever the words are that resonate with you or just something as simple as like this is my home and it's going to be really easy to live here like everything Mm -hmm. is easy in this home it's Mm -hmm. easy for me to feel you know grounded it's easy for me to connect i also love doing things in your home that make you happy. So if you like dancing around naked to a playlist, like do that and claim the space as your own and embody it as with the things that you enjoy doing. So maybe it's cooking, maybe it's doing a yoga class, maybe it's a breathwork class, maybe it's lighting candles and singing kirtan mantras, or maybe it's doing uh, what, I mean, whatever it is for you, I think it's so important to do things in your home that make you happy and light you up painting, creating, writing, and just knowing the things that make you feel good. So essential oils, if you do any kind of like smoke clearing rituals, it's so much about like another thing David said to me that was like, Oh, give he's like such (laughs) like I never like it initially and then it like (laughs) takes a minute to sink in I'm like yeah fine Uh, (laughs) give give what you want to get yeah so give what you want to get oh my back just like lit up with (laughs) yeah so give give what you want to get if you want your home to make you feel yummy and grounded and good then do grounding yummy good things in that space because it will give it back to you. For me, salt baths are everything. Like I take a salt bath almost every single night, tons and tons and tons of Epsom salt, magnesium flakes. I use magnesium flakes, but that is for me, like one of the most grounding things that as a super sensitive person has been able to like really help me clear my energy and help me clear my anything I pick up throughout the day so using that as an energetic grounding technique is amazing and just doing real earth grounding right like real earthing going out to the earth putting your feet on the earth sit under a tree hug a tree do all of these other things that are good for you outside of your house and then being able to bring that energy back in and like you say growing things in in your garden in your space yes I've this this summer really got into scented roses so we planted lots of mm, scented roses. and yeah. being able to see them smell them enjoy them gift them when people come for a breath work often I'll give them a rose Aww, and there's beautiful. something really beautiful about having grown that yourself in your space yes. and really having reverence for it yeah I we grew a garden for the first time and actually had success <laughs> yes We've tried many times, but we did get the be- most beautiful tomatoes and zucchini. And it it felt so amazing to watch this process just right outside my kitchen. And then we had a very tragic situation with the monarch butterfly caterpillars. Oh, I was watching that so intently. Did you see that? And the, I didn't know that wasps eat caterpillars. And we had this wasp infestation, actually our whole neighborhood, almost every house. It was very surreal. Almost every house was had this thing with wasps in the middle of the summer. And then they were gone the next day. We had 10 of them. And we were giving them milkweed and I went and bought more milkweed. 
nurturing these little lives. I was so excited to see it come to fruition, but you know, it's also just a lesson in the way that mama nature works. Sometimes there's another species that needs that food. And so and beautiful as well, when you talk about that, about the process of growing and nurturing something in your space, in your house, then taking it from mm. outside your kitchen, you know, washing it, preparing it. Mm. There's so much reverence for that whole process. And I think when you can do things like that, when you can slow down and really enjoy it, yeah, there's so much joy to come from the simple things and doing the simple things in your house. Yeah, and I, I would also like to just add it often does feel not fun to do laundry or your dishes, those sorts of things. Right. And we, we have this idea or we get this thing in our head of, Oh, I have to clean out my closet. It's so messy. And we, we get into this mindset of this have to, and I would really just love to suggest to everyone listening that there's a huge mental mind shift set that mind shift that happens when you allow yourself to come to the place of getting, you get to do this thing. You have so many clothes in your closet that you get to clean it out. You were able to eat a really great meal today. So you get to do your dishes. You were able to go and exercise and you have sweaty clothes that now need to be washed. And so you get to wash your clothes and then walk and then fold them and put them away because there are so many people right now that are homeless, that are out of work, that are very much suffering. So any of us who have the privilege to have a home and to keep a home and take care of a home really get to celebrate the possibility that's in your own space and seeing it maybe from a different perspective from the person who's recently homeless and living under a bridge that's fighting every single day to get a meal. And I only bring that piece in because I think sometimes we get very disconnected from how much we have and we forget the gratitude piece of how how much we really do have, even if that isn't your ideal home or your ideal place that you desire to be. But if you work with what you have and you continue to put gratitude, love, appreciation into it, and maybe put on a playlist and make your folding a moving meditation, make it fun. All of these mundane tasks don't have to be so mundane. They can be really magical, but it's your job to put the magic into it your job to make the rainbows (laughs) so there's some questions I want to ask but you kind of touched on it but there are some things I know that I used to come across when clients would have or be in this conundrum and I just wondered what your take was on it aside from like does it make you feel good so first of all was inherited pieces because there can be a lot of energy behind that particularly if it's something that's given to you by a parent or someone who's died or Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guilt around is am I letting that person go when I'm when I'm letting that piece go and what will people think if I get rid of it what's your thought on that my thoughts on that is yes of course does it make you feel good is it something that you're going to use is it something that is actually special and meaningful to you I mean there's been things that I've been given in my life jewelry specifically because jewelry does hold a lot of energetic weight right especially if it's something that's passed down from generation to generation and I it's to the face it's it's the most intimate. Yeah. It's the most intense. It's the most energetically charged stuff. So I've, I, a couple of years ago went through all of the jewelry that had been given to me. And I actually have someone here locally that I was able to trade it in to. So I got a credit and then I got things that I wanted and that I wanted to wear because I didn't want the amethyst 
thing I was given when I was in the eighth grade from eighth grade graduation. And so I, I ended up getting this necklace that I love and I wear it every single day. Yeah. But to me, it's like, this is now this necklace that I wear every single day. It's meaningful. It's special. It's who I am today. But I put the energy from those things that were given to me into something that I actually want. And I think most reasonable human beings would understand that if you decide to trade it or change it into something that you'll use and that you love, that's better than having it just sit in a cabinet or a cupboard or your garage, not being used or loved or accessed. Yeah. And actually, if you put yourself in a position of maybe the person that gave it to you, they may have also held the guilt of or, or right. held on longer than they needed and if they'd known that they that they probably had permission to to repurpose it or or give it to somebody else or or whatever they probably would have felt a lot of freedom too so no one wants to pass on that that albatross around your neck really that's not why they're giving it to you they're kind of thinking keep it if it's useful but if it's not let it go yes I mean I I it's we are like guilt is self-imposed And if you allow someone else to guilt you, that's really your own doing. It's just, it's guilt is self-imposed, period. End of sentence. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) next one's a really um, big one is if you've lost somebody, maybe a parent or a grandparent or Mm -hmm. a child, whatever, when you've lost somebody, I think sometimes people go through the process of, well, often people don't touch things for ages or they get rid of everything. What's your thoughts on the things to keep and how to the reverence around them? So I did this recently with someone and she actually kept her husband's dresser and she and I went through the things and she actually put a select number of things in his dresser, but then the dresser was moved down into the basement and it kind of became this little mini shrine altar to the person. And I said, you could put a fresh bouquet of flowers on there or you could put a plant or you could put a picture of him or a candle or something and actually make it a little more alive because Mm. if you're if you're just shoving things in a box and you know that they're there that's fine if that works for you but also allowing or weaving certain things into your living space I think is a really beautiful way to honor the person so if there is a a beautiful feather or a crystal or maybe a picture or a shirt like I've made shirts into pillowcases that became an accent throw pillow so that person's shirt then became a part of their everyday living so if there's ways for you to integrate some of the pieces into your living space so that does have a purpose and it is alive still and it's still weaving itself into your home I think that's a really beautiful thing to do and also you can integrate these things into any kind of prayer altar meditation space so I have my dad's belt buckle on my altar because it's very ornate and and beautiful so I look at it as almost like a piece of jewelry just like another thing that I want him to be a part of my prayer space every day. And there's also these really, this company that I work with called Archive. They've now started doing these amazing, amazing books called Lifechive. So you send them all the things that you want them to photograph. So it can actually be physical objects. It could be a person's uh, service program from their funeral would kind of like go with the end but pieces of scrapbooks, like anything that you want them to photograph. And they make this beautiful photo album out of all the things. And it almost looks like a a wedding album, like the outside cover is so beautiful and gorgeous. 
So that's something um, also just so you don't have to necessarily hold on to the physical things. You can just photograph it all and put it into a beautiful picture book like that. So that's something that recently I discovered and I'm kind of like ushering people into that, yeah. Yeah. that way. <clears throat> I met a lady recently who is an organizer and she had dad died. And I think, oh, I can't think. I think it probably is about 20 years ago, I think she said. And what mm -hmm. she did was she kept some things and she, I think that he used to go to the races. He used to go to the races. So she kept his uh, cravat or silk scarf mm. and made like a shoe, a shoe bag. So whenever she'd go oh, in, cute. a shoe bag and she kept uh -huh. his sunglasses. And on the day of, I don't know, on his birthday, she'd always put the sunglasses on, go out for the drive, for a drive with the, her, the top off the car, the roof off. And it's, I just thought it's so beautiful to have those ways of, like you say, bringing life to something yeah. that, <clears throat> might not have to something that you've lost or someone that you've yeah lost. yeah I think just getting creative with it and not necessarily getting rid of it if you don't if you're not ready to get rid of it or ready to pass it on or ready to melt it down into a different piece of jewelry or whatever but there are very creative ways to I think weave these things into your life absolutely okay so what about clothes that don't fit or you've gained weight or lost weight or whatever <clears throat> what do you what do you advise on that personally I feel like it's just you just let it go because I think that it's a subconscious an unconscious kind of beating yourself up for yeah. the clothes that you might need for the day that you gain more weight or when you go so it's like you're not living in the present yeah. And my own personal journey with that was that I used to weigh about 30, 40 pounds than more than I do now, because I was going through a lot and I had lost my dad and I was drinking and I was eating a lot. And I was, I was really using a lot of outside things to console myself. And so I kept the skinny jean box for a really long time. I mean, I, I drug this thing around for like four years from apartment to apartment. And I was constantly like, the, the blue bin's got to have a spot. And it wasn't until I really gave myself the permission to just let all that stuff go, I started to lose weight. It yeah. was like, I was shame, like I was shaming myself into not being okay with how I was in the moment mm -hmm. by holding on to these things. And I, I don't think that I, at that time, this was, oh, this was probably like 12 years ago now, yeah. I just didn't have the awareness of how that was actually affecting me. Because I kept thinking, oh, I've got to get to this other place in order to be loved, to be accepted, to date again, to go on a vacation, to be in a bikini, like whatever the story was in the moment. So it's like, it's just, it's, I feel like it's very shaming behavior and it's just not being kind to yourself. And I think the more you're able to just like really say again, they're not your friend, let them go. No, they don't the, they're they don't the best for you. And it's like, you're not living in the present. You're living, living in the past, which is probably painful to some degree, right? Or you're future tripping. And then you're just like, not, you're not in your body. Yeah. Okay. What about those, what about those things that, so my, my husband has like a box, I call it his box of old things. Uh, <laughs> like all the little knickknacky things that he had from when he was a kid, because his mom pretty much yeah. kept most of his childhood uh, in all the boxes. So all of the toys were put back in the boxes. I mean, it literally was oh, like wow. a, it's incredible yeah a lot mm -hmm. of energy kept in that for various reasons all of which I understand and uh, so he has this thing of old box of old things what <laughs> what about those things that partners bring into a relationship or somebody else brings into a relationship into the home that you share together that you're like that is literally sucking my energy dry or that there's <laughs> I cannot let that 
what do you advise? <laughs> yeah, Lily. I mean, I always tell, I mean, I always say to my clients that are in, you know, a, a coupled situation, or even if it's with your roommate, you must lead by, lead by example. You've yeah. got to keep your side of the street clean and really be the leader. If you want things to look a certain way, if you want the closet to match his side and her side or vice versa, whatever, are you leading by example? Always look within first. Am I being the way that I'm asking this person to be or become? (laughs) So that's number one. And then number two, is there a healthy compromise that you can come to? Yeah, Maybe there's some amount of space that you feel good about having those things live in and he feels okay with letting go of a little bit more to accommodate said space. And also I've seen really interesting things done with these collections from childhood. You turn it into a piece of art. It becomes this really cool art hanging piece thing that's in a cool acrylic box or something. You can also get creative with things that are just sitting in a box. And again, make that part of your living, your living space instead of just having it be in a box in a storage space. Mm. So I'd like to sort of sort of bring it to a close with sure. with the question uh, or with the touching on the thing that you talked about, about an altar, about creating mm-hmm. a, place, a sanctuary for you in your home that makes you feel good, that you can go to to decompress at the end of the day or first thing in the morning. Maybe I've heard, I'm not a morning person, but I hear people get up really early an hour or two before their children can have that space. <clears throat> I trust that that happens some places, but it doesn't or has never happened in mine. <laughs> <laughs> I love this much. But so how would you recommend people going? Because that might be like an alien concept to people. They might be like, oh, I've got a favorite chair or there's somewhere I like to sit because the light's really nice there. Or, But how would you, how do you advise your clients to think about creating that kind of space? Yeah, I mean, not for, and just as you touched on, not everyone is going to have that luxury, right? I mean, for some people it might, you might only have your own bedroom if you're living in an apartment with a roommate or something. And so you might not have the luxury of having a totally separate space or corner or room dedicated solely to having an altar or a sacred space in your home. So it can be something as simple as you have a candle and a plant and a favorite chair, or you have a cushion that you pull out from underneath your bed and put it in this one particular spot every single day. I really feel like having that said dedicated space or a space where you, because again, it's an energetic shift in your nervous system, right? It's, it's telling your body, okay, now I'm doing this thing. Now I'm going to switch into the mode of the meditator, the breather, (laughs) whatever it is. I do this whole mental gymnastics thing before I get out of the car to come into the house I've switched from work mom or working woman I switch into mom mode and it just calms my nervous system so similarly when you're thinking about setting up a sacred space to do meditation journaling writing whatever your choice of prayer meditation whatever it might be if you can keep it in the same place in your home I would love that but again our homes are on overdrive right now so what was once a state or like a clean, clear space might now be your kid's Zoom station. So we don't, there's also the capacity and the availability within the human body and mind and spirit is so incredibly resilient. So sometimes you can just say, okay, 
I'm now claiming this little four by four section of my home is my sacred space. And I'm going to do some meditating, some journaling, some writing, whatever. I light a candle, letting my body and my brain know that I'm in this particular time and space now. And it can also be something as simple as just imagining creating a bubble of white protective energy around your body, no matter where you are or what you're doing. I do that all the time before I go in clients' homes. I don't necessarily want to take on all their stuff <laughs> when I'm working in someone's house. But yeah, I, and I also, in my, in my doing of creating altars for myself and with clients, for me, it's very important to have all of the elements included. So water, air, fire, earth, I'm going to have all of those things included in any sort of altar that I create for someone or assist in creating in the way that, you know, mine is set up or anytime I do a house clearing, a smoke clearing, I'm going to include all of those elements to really ask the earth and the directions and all of those things to support me in that process. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need 12 of your best friends on a full moon with the same blood type. I mean, I think we get really out there. Yeah. <laughs> of what do I need? Like, what's the perfect crystal that I have to have in order to do it right? It's like, if you're even having the thought that you want to create a sacred space, you're doing it right. If you have the thought that it would be fun to journal or it would be great to sit down and breathe consciously for five minutes, you're doing it right. Like yeah. that sense of curiosity and that sense of supporting yourself in mm. a new way. Yeah. You're already doing it. That's yeah. the hardest part, right? Yeah. That's absolutely. the hardest part. Yeah. Absolutely. So anybody who's listening to this, just give yourself a lot of grace as you navigate maybe something that's new and different. Mm, mm. Yeah, just because it's new, just because it feels awkward. When you do something new, just because it feels awkward, that's not a reason not to do it. Because we do plenty of things that are not necessarily very healthy for us or very supportive. <laughs> and they can right, feel and okay. However, right. doing something new always feels a little awkward and a little bit sort of you feel a little self-conscious but like you say it's just showing up it's just doing the same thing in the same space and creating yeah. a ritual around it beautiful yeah so it's very clear that you are based in um, california you're in la so how can people across the world who are going to be listening to this get a little slice of your magic <laughs> <laughs> Well, my business name is Clutter Healing. So I, you can find my website at clutterhealing.com. I do most of my social media promos and all of those things on Instagram. So it's in Clutter Healing on Instagram as well. There is the uh, weekly Sunday ritual reset guide is available on my website. So you can sign up for that and you get a beautiful sort of outline of what I, you know, would encourage everyone to do on a weekly basis in their home to keep it humming and buzzing and feeling really yummy. You want a uh, free, yeah, keep it humming. I also have a free seven minute breathwork meditation download in the link in my profile on Instagram. So if you're new to this breathwork healing thing and you want to see kind of my voice and my style, you can check that out there. And then if you want to work with me in a, my in your home, there's a 15 minute discovery call that's free in my website and Instagram. So basically, my website and Instagram, you can get tons of goodies at Clutter Healing. And then the the Sacred Space course is relaunching again next year. And I'm not, I haven't completely solidified if it's going to be a nine month rebirthing your home type of thing where we would get together once a month for nine months to really 
do a deep dive into your entire home or if I will just extend it out again and make it a little bit longer, a 12 week course, the nine month rebirthing your home feels a lot better to me just because I believe that putting in almost a year's worth of time will really change and dramatically shift the energy in your home. Yeah. So that's the virtual way that we can work together. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how it looked this time on the first round, because you just launched it for the first time, didn't you, Just? Mm-hmm. So tell me how yes. it looked. How was the, how, what kind of things were people doing? Well, the first, it, it was an eight week course. In the first five weeks, we did some breath work. We talked about time management and how you're spending your time, what you're doing with your time. Uh, we got into a lot of the mindset pieces of how to change the relationship or the mindset that you might be using in your languaging, your relationship with your house. And then we also dove into a lot of the internal clutter. So do you have finances, financial commitments that are unresolved? Do you have debt? Do you have relationships that need some healing? Are you staying in toxic relationships or situations that just aren't serving you? So we do a lot of work in the first few weeks around just internal clutter mindset and time management. Mm -hmm. And the breathing really supports all of that, right? It's the spiritual housekeeping, I like to call it, of really clearing out. And also, I mean, if people are listening to this, they probably have maybe worked with you in a breathing session as well. But I like to be clear that breath work is a general term. And what Ellie and I teach is breathwork healing. It is different than breathwork techniques. So a lot yeah. of people think breathwork and they think breath of fire and Kundalini, or they think of a breathing technique like box breathing or four, seven, eight breathing. That's something that can kind of be done in the moment, but breathwork in our sense is a little different in that it's really changing the vernacular and maybe some of the limiting beliefs and mindset parts of ourselves that we have the ability to reprogram through focused conscious breathing in a healing session. So it's different than just sitting in your car doing a box breathing to kind of reset your energy. <laughs> like you say, it's like emotional housekeeping. It's physical yeah. housekeeping. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then the, the second half of the course, we do actually get into the physical home organizing piece with mm-hmm. going through I basically took a survey in the course and I asked everyone what they wanted to focus on in the terms of the areas in the home. So we did bedroom, closet, and home office. So it was all video tutorial based. And then there was a lot of homework with writing and journaling. And I gave them meditations, just regular guided meditations and breathwork meditations. And we did a total of three live breathwork healings throughout the eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds beautiful. It sounds so supportive and nurturing. And also I love the fact that you are going straight into the healing side first, doing that work and then applying it. Cause like, otherwise it's like putting a bandaid on your, your right. How yeah. can you, how can you do that work, that physical work when you're not shifting in emotionally? Right. Okay. So final question. So I'm just thinking this up as it happens. So people at home, during COVID, I mean, there's nothing more uh, that's giving you a nudge more than being in your home for six Mm -hmm. months and seeing all the things that aren't working. So for all of those people that are thinking, oh, I need to change that room to an office space, I need to think about maybe converting one of the rooms into a dual purpose space, Mm -hmm. and they're feeling a little overwhelmed, what advice would you give them? I would say start with something really small, like start with your pocketbook, start with your purse, 
start with your wallet, start with something like uh, just going through your makeup or going through a junk drawer. Because what ends up happening is when you organize and sort out really small spaces, you get the motivation and the confidence and the excitement. It starts to build like a snowball. So even go through your silverware, just something that's really small. Yeah. And once you feel and see the difference in some of these smaller areas, then it won't feel as daunting or as big to turn your dining room into a distance learning center for here for children or whatever, because it is, it's, it is, it is not, it is big. Yeah. Organizing is big. It's not yeah. something that you're just going to do on a Sunday in a couple hours. I would also advise that you really, any organizing project that you want to take on, break it down into tasks. Because if you just say to yourself, I'm going to organize my closet on Sunday. Well, maybe if you have a very small walk-in closet, that's very possible and very doable. If you have in a wardrobe that's the size of a two-car garage, you're going to need to break it down into steps. So maybe one Sunday, you just go through all your undergarments. The yeah. next Sunday, you go through all of your pants. And, and it might take you several months to get through one space, but being able to break it down into smaller tasks, it's like, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I... I need a new website. I'm just going to redo my website on Sunday. No, (laughs) I need the tasks are find the new pictures, write the new copy, (laughs) get a new calendar update. Huh? Is this what you've been doing? This is what, yes, in the background, but this is what I thought many years ago, right? When I first started, I thought 10 years ago, ago, I (laughs) I need a website. I'll just do that on a weekend. No, 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 no. There are so many tasks and it takes multiple months to get the site the way that you want it to look and feel and all of those things. So it's no different in organizing your home. And I think that there's been a big glorification with what you see on television and you see these renovation shows of, oh, it's going to happen in three days. And people, those Mm -hmm. things you see on television have hundreds of people supporting the effort. You don't yeah. see all the container store runs and the returns and the shopping for this and the, all the sorting that happened in this, this little time lapse that you saw is not real life. That is not how it works <laughs> at yeah. all. There's measuring, there's product sourcing, there's the letting go. And then if you're also conscious of where the things are going, you're going to have to figure out, okay, what resources am I giving the things to? Where do I want it to go? So that's another whole step once you've decided where it's, you you no longer need it, right? But then where is it going? Do I have a safe waste recycling place for things like paint, batteries, light bulbs? So if you break it down into smaller tasks and then you feel really good and confident about accomplishing those tasks, the smaller tasks, you'll have the motivation and momentum to keep going. But if you pile it all on and think you're going to do it in this big flurry of four hours, you're going to lose the confidence and you're not going to feel good about your progress. And just remember that it is progress, not perfection. So even if you only were to go through just your socks, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're showing up and doing it. And that's all that matters. I love that. That's so encouraging and supportive. Like you say, it's like, because you're thinking it, you're doing it. It's happening. The wheels are in motion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. what was that lovely statement you started with at the very beginning? What was it you get people to, to think about when they first start, when you first go into their home? What was the phrase? What was the thing you get them to visualize? Oh, I asked, I asked them how they want their house to feel because yeah. to me, it doesn't matter 
what it looks like. I mean, your level of organization could be a bunch of mismatched boxes that don't have pretty labels and they're not the Instagram picture, but if that <laughs> feels really good and you know where all your things are and your space is functioning for you in a way that makes your life feel expansive and energetically buzzing and good and like things are flowing. I just always want them to focus on the feeling that they would like their house to embody. And then we keep moving toward that feeling. Gorgeous. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Lily, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your magic and, and sharing with us how you see the world and also how you can see that people that maybe don't see the world in that way can embody it, try little bits, find bits and ways that work to be able to find ways to make life fun, enjoyable, creative, expansive, spacious, whatever the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Turn the mundane into magical, I say. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the She's Illuminated podcast with me, Ellie Loves. And I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. If you did, subscribe to Apple Podcasts and we'll deliver each new episode directly to your device. And we'd love it if you left a review to help us spread the love far and wide. So if you can't think of anything to write, then just tap five stars and say it's the best podcast ever. <laughs> Big love.